Welcome to today's edition of the Rush 24-7 Podcast. If ever there was a fiasco that cried out for Rush's take, it's this uh, cockamamie Iowa caucus for which there are still no results. Uh, but as you heard yesterday, Rush uh, did two hours and 50 minutes of unique, uh, trenchant, humorous commentary. Uh, having more fun than any human being, doing what he was born to do, vindicating all those catchphrases and then some. And then in the last 10 minutes, the show took a dark turn uh, that nobody listening had expected. We're going to try and uh, invert that today and uh, address uh, yesterday's appalling news first and then get on to all the unimportant trivia uh, like the mess the Democrats have made of Iowa. Uh, a lot of people, uh, just from emails and things, I talked about uh, Russia's statement uh, with Tucker Carlson on television last night, and a lot of emails and uh, tweets and whatnot I got uh, said that they hadn't actually uh, heard what Rush said in his own words. They they had a good time listening to the first couple of hours of the show and somehow managed to miss the last 10 minutes. And uh, I don't think anybody doesn't know the core headline from it because it was covered on radio and television and on the Internet. I think it was the the, the number one trending thing across the planet. And the president uh, issued a supportive statement, and so uh, did uh, Miss Tulsi Gabbard uh, for the Democrats. And uh, I, I don't agree with uh, Tulsi on a lot of things, uh, but she uh, is a, a rare human being uh, on that uh, side of the fence, and I thank Miss Gabbard uh, for her sincere and warm best wishes for Rush and Catherine and everybody else. But in case you did miss the, the closing moments of yesterday's show, I, I wanted you to hear for yourself uh, what Rush had to say. Here it is. Because I, I had to inform my staff earlier today. It, I can't escape, even though telling, people are telling me it's, it's not the way to look at it. I, I can't help but feel that I'm letting everybody down with this. But the upshot is that I have been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. Diagnosis confirmed by two medical institutions back on January 20th. Uh, first realized something was wrong on my birthday weekend, January 12th. And I wish I didn't have to tell you this. And I thought about not telling anybody. I thought about trying to do this without anybody knowing, because I don't like making things about me. But there are going to be days that I'm not going to be able to be here because I'm undergoing treatment or I'm reacting to treatment. And I know that that would inspire all kinds of curiosity with people wondering what's going on. And the worst thing that can happen is when there is something going on and you try to hide it and cover it up, it's eventually going to leak, and then people are going to, why didn't you just say it? Why just did it? Why, why did you try to fool everybody? And it's not that I want to fool anybody. It's just that I, I don't want to burden anybody with it, and I haven't wanted to. Uh, but 
it is what it is. And you know me, I'm the mayor of Realville. So this has happened, and my intention is to come here every day I can and to do this program as normally and as competently and as expertly as I do each and every day because that is the source of my greatest satisfaction professionally, uh, personally. I've had so much support from uh, family and, and friends during this that it's it's just it's it's been tremendous. And I told the staff today that I have a deeply personal relationship with God that I do not proselytize about. But I do, and I have been working that relationship <laughs> tremendously, um, which I do regularly anyway, but I've, I've been focused on it intensely for the past couple of weeks. I know there are many of you in this audience who have experienced this, who are going through it yourselves at the same time. I am at the moment experiencing zero symptoms other than... I, look, I don't want to get too detailed in this. What, what led to shortness of breath that I thought might have been asthma or, um, you know, I'm 69, could have been my heart. My heart's in great shape, ticking away fine, squeezing and pumping great. It was not that. It was uh, a pulmonary problem involving malignancy. So I'm going to be gone the next couple of days as we figure out the treatment Uh course of action and have further testing done but as i said i'm gonna i'm gonna be here as often as i can and as is the case with everybody who finds themselves in a circumstance you just want to you want to push ahead and try to keep everything as normal as you can which is something that i'm going to try to do but felt that i had to tell you uh, because that's the kind of relationship I feel like I have with those of you in this audience. And I say it every Christmas, which is when I feel more thankful than at Thanksgiving. And I feel thankful at Thanksgiving, but Christmas, it really gets to me. But over the years, a lot of people have been very nice telling me how much this program has meant to them. But whatever that is, it pales in comparison to what you all have meant to me. And I can't, I can't describe this, but you know, I know you're there every day. I can see you. It's, it's strange how I am, but I know you're there. I know you're there in great numbers. And I know that you understand everything I say. The rest of the world may not when they hear it expressed a different way, but I know that you do. You've been one of the greatest sources of uh, confidence that I've had in my life. So... I hope I will be talking about this as little as necessary in the coming days. But we've got a great bunch of doctors, a great team assembled. We're at full speed ahead on this. And it's just now a matter of implementing what we are going to be told later this week. So I'll be back here. I hope you be back on Thursday. If not, it'll be as soon as I can. And know that every day I'm not here, I'll be thinking about you and missing you. Thank you very much. Uh, and and rush does mean that last part there. Don't ever think that if you've got uh, a message you want to 
uh, send to Rush just uh, good wishes, prayers, whatever it is, that he doesn't want to hear about it. There are millions and millions and millions of people who listen to this show, but Rush treasures everyone. They're very real to him. As he said there, he can, he can see you all. And he can see you all, whether he's behind the golden EIB microphone or he's uh, sitting in some crummy doctor's waiting room uh, uh, getting told a lot of stuff that uh, none of us uh, really want to hear. If you've got something you want to say to Rush, if you've got a message uh, you want to get to Rush, don't ever think that it'll be just lost in the millions and millions of good wishes because he does... uh, uh, want to hear from you, and he values every one of you. That's how he built this show into the number one show for decade after decade after decade. Uh, as Rush said, he's the mayor of Realville, and so that was classic Rush, uh, honest, true, uh, straightforward, without a hint of uh, self-pity uh, or melodrama. He's uh, he's the best at what he does. Uh, he's He's... No, no question. I've been, I think I'm in my 14th year of guest hosting, uh, this show. And in the early years, uh, people used to, I used to get asked if I wanted to do my own radio show and, uh, people would say, uh, pitch me offers to do this and do that. And I never did because when you listen to Rush, uh, as a regular listener or as, uh, someone, uh, who just gets to sit behind this microphone occasionally, you realize he's the absolute best at what he does. He is a phenomenon. This format, the reason the station you're listening to has a talk radio format is because of Rush, is because Rush is here for three hours and they build everything else around around him. He basically uh, created this format. He saved AM radio with this format. That's Rush. There's nothing like him. Uh, there's a phenomenon. And the one thing that his enemies and uh, at Media Matters and all these. I won't even mention them, actually. I don't want to think about them today. All these grubby little nothing people. The one thing they uh, they miss about him when they write a report on something he happens to have said is, you know, Limbaugh spewed, Limbaugh ranted. If you listen to Rush, he's having the best time of his life. He means that. He loves doing this. And he'd much rather uh, be sitting here today than what he is uh, doing uh, today and that came through yesterday and i remember listening i think it was in the first hour of the show uh and he was talking about all these strange freaky angry obsessives adam schiff giving one of the worst closing statements i've heard any lawyer give in which he basically berated uh, berated the jury uh because they they were too uh stupid and selfish to do what he wanted them to do or the twits at M- msnbc have been reduced to fact-checking jokes uh like trump uh saying that bloomberg had asked for a box to stand on at the next democrat debate and they're all <laughs> and they're fact-checking that they're fact-checking jokes now which actually is an oddly soviet thing to do if you've uh, read uh, Milan Kundera's uh, great novel, uh, The Joke. <laughs> the, uh, uh, when a society actually starts fact-checking jokes, that's not generally a good sign. And Rush said, these people have no joy. They have no joy. And actually, that's why I think they're being tuned out. That's why I think, actually, uh, the Iowa caucus was a bust, uh, lost in the fact that there's no result uh, is the appalling turnout, uh, 170,000, 170,000. People don't want to be around sour, bitter, 
joyless people. And when Rush was talking about how these people had no joy, uh, he was telling you that even uh, taking, he's had, what is it, uh, a fortnight? Nobody says fortnight here, uh, two weeks. But uh, I'm a little shaken by what happened yesterday. So if I lapse into Canadian English or Britannic English, you'll, you'll forgive me. But he's had this news, uh, uh, most of you, Figured something that that week I was there. Stag, I said I was going to be there for one day, and then I came back the next day, and then I came back. Then people, that was when uh, he thought he had a little difficulty with his breathing, and uh, he, he had a little problem with his voice, and thought there was something going on. The following week, just two weeks ago, uh, he got this uh, this terrible diagnosis, and and if you listened to Rush the week after that, last week. Uh, you'll know that uh, he was on the top of his game. He was focused on what he was doing. He was focused on what he loves doing. And because of Rush, uh, as he said, no, no one likes being, no one likes being sick in public. And it's a horrible thing if you're a, a famous person, if you're as famous as anybody on earth, that as he said, you've got to get it out there because otherwise it's going to leak, because otherwise there's someone on a, a telephone camera is going to capture you with your hat pulled down uh, going into a specialist uh, clinic uh, 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 coming out of it. Uh, you, you've got to be upfront and honest. No one likes being sick in public. And the thing that Rush said, he said he wanted to uh, keep everything as normal as he can, which is something that I'm going to try to do. Uh, he said just that. That's what we're going to try to do. That's what that's what this show has done. Uh, for over three decades, the Rush Limbaugh show, uh, we're going to do try to do what Rush does as normally as possible. He's going to be back with us on Thursday. If he's not back on Thursday, don't make a big deal about it. He'll be back Friday. He'll be back Monday. He's trying to work out a, a, a plan. Uh, you want him, when he's here, to be on the top of his game. He's got all kinds of horrible things to look forward to, surgery and treatments and medication, and they all intersect with each other in different ways and different human beings. Uh, and you're not going to want him to be here if, you, if, if suddenly at 11 o'clock in the morning he's just feeling very subpar. You want him at his best, and you want him, uh, when he's back, to come roaring back. And in the meantime, we are going to try to live up to what uh, Rush said yesterday, to keep everything as normal as we can, uh, which is something that he's going to try and do, as he said, and we're... Uh, going to, to the rest of us here are going to try and do as well. So, uh, unfortunately, the Democrats couldn't keep everything normal. There was a disaster at the Iowa caucus uh, from the so-called natural party of government. I don't know whether you'd want them running anything that mattered. Would you want those guys in charge of the coronavirus? I don't think so. We're going to talk about that. And as I said, the important thing is if you if you have some uh, whatever your feelings, uh, uh, don't ever think that Rush doesn't want to hear from you. You're the most important part of this show. He loves you. Uh, he's here for you, uh, and and he's it means more to him than we can say. For all the best doctors, what's important to him is that all of you are there for him. Mark Stein on the Rush Limbaugh show. Lots more still to come. The Rush Limbaugh Show on the Excellence in Broadcasting Network. I mentioned what Rush was saying yesterday about joy, and uh, I'll never forget the 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 the, uh, 
one thing back in the early years, the moment I always think about on that, uh, I was just driving around. It was the day after the 1994 election, if you recall. That was the one in which the contract with America, uh, Newt sold it to the nation, and it was a great Republican victory in the midterms. <laughs> Rush came and opened his show with uh, uh, James Brown singing I Feel Good. People didn't do that. That wasn't the way politics uh, was done on the radio. And it was such a great... And that... that Rush has felt good uh, through good times like that, great mornings after like that, and some rather grimmer mornings after. Uh, I remember after the 2000 election when we were stuck in the Florida recount, and Rush said, I worry that there may not be as many of us as uh, I thought they were. But through it all, the good times and the bad times, Rush has always felt good uh, doing what he does here. And that's the difference. That's the difference. I'm not even making a partisan point here. There are a lot of joyless uh, uh, talk show hosts of right and left all over the airwaves. And it's the fact that Rush has a good time, and you and you can hear that. You can hear that. I'll say one other thing, too, because um, I li- when I'm just, like, listening to the show, I listen to the show exactly as you do. And then... Uh, when I'm asked to guest host, I think, oh dear, I've got to get guest host for the number one guy in America. And I, and I listen, uh, generally in the days beforehand in a slightly different way. So I'm listening to it as a kind of performance. And I've always loved the way Rush crinkled the papers. And I've been doing this show, as I said, 13 years now. I can't, I can't crinkle the papers the way he does. I can't even do it. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's absolutely brilliant, a brilliant lesson. Uh, in the art of broadcasting. Uh, all that said, uh, we, <laughs> I wish that kind of expertise had been applied to this joke thing they call the Iowa caucus. Um, what happened is uh, the, the brazenness of it astonishes me. And no uh, Kremlin, no Macedonian content farmers, you don't need any of that when the DNC are running things. Uh, the Macedonian content farmers and the Kremlin are pikers compared to the Democrat Party and the way these guys run an election. They, they, this is so brazen. Uh, Whatever it was, as Rush was saying yesterday, the very last pre-election day poll, suddenly something mysteriously happens, and they can't release that poll. Then, then, uh, because it shows Joe Biden trailing badly in fourth place, and you think, okay, that's pretty brazen of them. Uh, a mere 24 hours later, mysteriously, they can't actually resu- release the results of the election itself. Uh, the Iowa Democrats are now telling the campaigns that the quote-unquote majority of caucus results will be released at 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I don't know whether that's 5 p.m. Eastern today or 5 p.m. Eastern on uh, November the 12th, which seems more likely, but uh, we will uh, see uh, well, well, I think actually most of us, I'll get into this in a minute. Most of us uh, already know uh, how this is going to go, whether they've managed to find a few extra caucus goers uh, to bulk up a certain candidate's numbers. We'll see how well they've, what use they've made of the intervening 24 hours. Um, 
I, what's the lady? Karen. Karen wanted to, Karen tweeted, Mark, what is the best way to send good wishes to Rush? Uh, she knows Rush doesn't like Twitter. I can tell you something, uh, Karen. Rush is not going to be uh, looking at uh, at Twitter today or tomorrow, so forget about that. The easiest way, if you want to send good wishes to Rush, um, I don't want to crash the website or anything, but if you go to RushLimbaugh.com, uh, right up at the top, uh, above the words, the Rush Limbaugh Show, you'll see a little mini menu bar And uh, I think the second or third item along says special notes for Rush. And you can just click that and you can send your good wishes to Rush, any thoughts and and prayers, whatever you want. As I said, uh, don't ever think that because you just won a millions that he he doesn't want to hear from you. You know that that the beautiful phone call he did yesterday with uh, Olivia. Uh, the 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 young lady who'd read all the Rush Revere books and taken seven and a half weeks, I think it was, to go and visit every historic site mentioned in the books. That's a very typical example of the kind of uh, listener and kind of reader uh, that Rush uh, loves to uh, loves to hear from. As I said, the Iowa caucus occurred after a fashion yesterday. It's well, I'll go with Joe Biden's. Uh, this is this is the problem here is Joe Biden couldn't lose respectably. He lost disastrously. So it's been necessary to cover that up. That's essentially what's going on here. That's why the poll uh, couldn't be released on Sunday, because the poll showed him tanking into fourth place. And then he he uh, so then yesterday they couldn't release any of the results. It was actually extraordinary what's going on here. Uh it's uh, it's it's blamed on an app. Uh, okay, th- this time round, they had a whip round at the Iowa Democrat Party, and they decided to buy a computer, and they got one of these newfangled app things that's only been around for a decade or so. And the app they went to, this is the company they went to to uh, come up with the app, Shadow Inc. I don't know why they just didn't call it Spectre. I mean, uh, the Blofeld, the Blofeld of Shadow Inc. is apparently Mayor Pete. There's this whole thing from the Bernie Bros all over the internet. Mayor Pete is apparently the guy behind Shadow Inc. And uh, they're all now calling him Mayor Cheat. He's, but as I said, he's, he's like, if Shadow is Spectre, he's the Bond villain stroking the white Persian cat and cackling to himself. That's Mayor Pete, according, according to some of the enraged Bernie Bros. Uh, why do they need an app? This, I'm just throwing this out there. We're going to talk uh, and get some more information from uh, Iowa experts. But there's seven. There's, there, there were roughly 170,000 Democrats who turned out uh, yesterday. It was a, a terrible thing. There's no motivation. It's not like 2008. They're not enthused about any of the candidates. And there were 1,700 precincts. Okay, so you got 1,700 precincts, 170,000 votes. So you've got uh, an average of 100 people at each precinct, right? Uh, And they all have to go and stand in different corners of the gymnasium or the cafeteria or whatever it is. So you've got some Biden people standing in one corner, and you've got some Bernie people in another corner, and you've got Elizabeth Warren people in another corner. 
And there's 100 people in the room, so there's three in the Joe Biden corner, and there's uh, 29 in the Bernie corner. Why can't, uh, why can't precinct captains count 100 people? Now, even if you're Democrats, that's just five people using their fingers and toes, right? Why can't they count uh, 100 people and give us those results? We're now, as I said, it's going to be 24 hours after polls closed. So uh, we're told that the app went wrong. So then the precinct captains say they're going to try and telephone them in. And what do you know? The telephone system at Caucus Central isn't working, too. So it's not like the app, this newfangled thing. It's only been around a decade. Uh, this other newfangled thing, uh, the telephone that took off in the 1890s, it's only, you know, 130-year-old technology. It's still got some few wrinkles that they have to iron out. The telephone, they can't... They can't, the Democrats, the Democrats are so shameless about this, they literally can't phone it in. That's, that's the Biden campaign. It's incapable of phoning it in. And uh, then we um, understand uh, that they, they try to, they have a conference call with the head honcho in Iowa, the Democrats who are running this thing. Meanwhile, actually, over at the Republican caucus, everything's uh, hunky-dory. It's all working fine. It's straightforward. There's no reason for this uh, unless you're pulling something. There's no reason for it. We're asked to believe in the coincidence that this and Iowa is always a bit chaotic because it's this thing go, involves going to some town hall or some school gym and standing around and shuffling into corners and then your candidate doesn't make the final cut so you've got to shuffle into some other uh, candidate's corner and it's also often quite corrupt last night one of the Bernie, uh, at one of the precincts, Bernie didn't make enough to qualify for the second round. And he should have been eliminated. And instead they went and found, apparently, they went and grabbed a couple of Tom Steyer people. God knows why there were two Tom Steyer supporters in that room. But dragged them over to join Bernie, uh, to join Biden and get him over the 15% threshold. So it's always corrupt. But what's going on here is brazen. We're asked to believe that the, the, the major poll, the last poll before the vote fails, and then the actual vote fails. And when it comes to the failure of the vote, we're asked to believe, to, 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 to believe that not only the state of the art, the state of the art app designed by Shadow Inc., created by Robbie Mook, uh, the Hillary honcho. And uh, we're not asked to believe not only that the state-of-the-art app failed, but that the telephonic system at uh, Democrat headquarters failed. Do you believe any of this? And now, and now Biden is saying we can't, nobody, no official results can be released until the campaigns have had an opportunity to approve them. You know why that is? Because Joe, Joe Biden, nobody, Joe Biden didn't even come a solid fourth. He came, he came, he underperformed the worst expectations. You gotta believe that poll shocked people. 
So they covered up the pole. And it looks like he's done even worse than in the pole. Why would you, why would you, this is, this is like the Congo. Where's Jimmy Carter and the UN elections observers, uh, when you need them? This was like, uh, I think it was Togo. And I, incidentally, I'll say something else too. Why aren't the media reporting these things? They're, they're at all these, they're at most of the big ones in Des Moines, Cedar Rapids, the big polls in Iowa. They're, they're there. They're not at all 1700, although I would imagine between this and that little local newspaper, actually, you've got, uh, you, you've got, uh, local reporters at a majority of these, but why aren't they telling us? They're in the room. They can see there's three people standing in Bernie, in, in Biden's corner. Why can't they tell us this? It, it reminded me. You know what Iowa reminds me of? I think it was the Togolese election of about, uh, three or four years ago. Uh, where the guy comes on, uh, the head of the election commission comes on and he, on the television and he's ready to announce the results. And uh, the results aren't quite what that week's president for life had in mind. And so the guy from the electoral commission starts, starts to announce the results and uh, a couple of people burst onto the set and the camera cuts to something else. Uh, and mysteriously, by the time we go back to the Electoral Commission and the official results, an entirely different result has been put in place. So now uh, the Iowa Democrat Party is running Togolese standard elections. That's what happened last night. That's You don't need Putin. The Macedonian content farmers couldn't pull off anything like this. It's too brazen. The, the the Democrat Party colluded with itself to steal the elections from from Bernie Sanders. It's quite extraordinary. We're going to take your calls on the Rush Limbaugh show straight ahead. The Rush Limbaugh show with Mark Stein sitting in for Rush. Uh, the Iowa caucus uh, is basically the Jeffrey Epstein suicide watch detail of elections. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Let us go to Carl, who is in the Hawkeye state and uh, partook of the Hawkeye Corkeye, as uh, Rush likes to call them yesterday. Carl, you're on the Rush Limbaugh Show. Great to have you with us. Thanks for taking my call, Mark. I was a precinct chairman in Marion, Iowa. Marion is part of the Cedar Rapids metro area, the second largest metro area in Iowa. And the reason I called, I having watched this uh, play out these last several weeks, because I'm, I'm very engaged in Republican politics, um, I think there's three compelling reasons to believe that they absolutely want to tank the Bernie Sanders campaign. The first had to do with the timing of the articles of impeachment. I initially thought the delay was because either Nancy Pelosi's shipper was plugged or she had gotten cold feet from traipsing through uh, human feces in her in her district. But when she delivered the articles of impeachment just in time to keep Bernie Sanders and uh, Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar off the campaign trail coming into the Iowa caucuses, uh, that was the first thing. The second thing you already mentioned, and that was the refusal to release the poll. And then the third thing has to do with the caucuses. So... On the Republican side, we don't do the silly thing about standing in the corners in different parts of the room. Uh, we actually have a point in the caucuses where we take something called a vote. And right. either by writing on a piece of paper or holding up your hand, you indicate your favorite candidate. 
And as the chair of a precinct caucus, I write that down on a piece of paper. And then wow. uh, if, if my caucus is its own caucus, like in a small town, yeah. uh, I call that into the county. Or in the case of my situation, uh, there were 14 different precincts in this large area. I give my numbers to the overall site captain. The site captain then uh, rolls those up to the county uh, or can call them into the state directly. So the notion that they couldn't use ordinary telephones, as you so well described a little Mm. bit ago, and simply tally up the votes, uh, that should have been done within two or three hours of the end of the caucuses. This is, in in my opinion, uh, this could not be more of a fix to... uh, to tank Bernie Sanders. But 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 the the thing about it is it's no serious person. Uh as you know there's there's not thousands and thousands and thousands of people uh shuffling from corner to corner. It's relatively yeah, easy. Yeah, and 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 at the big uh precincts like in uh, Cedar Rapids or Des Moines or wherever um, that you've got tons of people. You've got not just Iowa media. You've got the national media. You've got the international media there. Um, everybody, everybody knows. Uh, they can't actually. Uh, th- this is like watching. Uh, what was it Ferdinand Marcos when he stole, tried to steal his last election in the Philippines? Everybody yeah. knows. Everybody knows the real result. What What do you think the Democrats are actually trying to accomplish here? I, I think they are determined, as they were four years ago, to uh, to shut out Bernie Sanders. And at some level, the the Democratic machine, uh, the DNC and Nancy Pelosi, they are going to die on that hill if that's what it takes to do. They are not going to allow Bernie Sanders to be the Democratic nominee, in my opinion, from what I see here as boots on the ground. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for, for that, Carl. That's a uh, fascinating insight from uh, a, and by the, by the way, you had a good night at your precinct last night. There was a great night for the Republicans and a great night for the Republican candidate, wasn't it? It was. It was very well organized. There, there was, so in, in the big room before we split to our individual precincts, it was standing room only. People were upbeat and positive and uh it was just a, a really really fun it was organized uh very well we had training ahead of time and it all ran like clockwork and your that fascinating thing you said that high tech system you proposed where you uh take down the number of votes and write it down on a piece of paper and yes. then uh and then pass that information on to the county or regional body that's a fascinating concept carl but it, i don't it, know that it's most, ever going to catch on with the democrats unfortunately i, I got to tell you it's the most amazing thing i've seen since the wheel yeah yeah well that'll never catch on either <laughs> as the uh, as they say it's people using wheels that's what's caused all this climate change wheels and paper ballots they're destroying the planet thank you very much for that carl i'll add just one thing to what carl said you know rush was talking about this yesterday and he was saying that the the thing about bernie it's not that the other guys are more moderate than him. Nancy Pelosi believes in open borders. She's got the, the, the so-called mainstream Democrats believe in 90% of the same crazy stuff as Bernie does. What they don't like about Bernie is that he's upfront about it. That's the difference. Democrats, their whole scam involves 
uh, running as central uh, half the time. That 1994 election I mentioned, you couldn't tell in the ads for that who was the Republican, who was the Democrat. The Democrats never mentioned they were Democrats. So to watch any Democrat ads, in the, you'd think they were crazy for guns. Uh, they were hopelessly conflicted about abortion. They were all. It's all the, the Democrats uh, run as what they are not. And what they don't like about Bernie is he's running up front as what they are. And they think that's going to give the game away. And that's what they don't like about it. Mark Stein for Rush Limbaugh. Lots more still to come. Mark Stein sitting in for Rush as he sees his doctors uh, to attend to the very bad news that uh, he announced yesterday. Lots more to come. As uh, Rush told you very honestly Yesterday, uh, he was diagnosed just two weeks ago with advanced lung cancer, and he is meeting with his doctors today uh, to determine the best course of treatment. He's going to be out today, he's going to be out tomorrow, and he hopes to be back Thursday. Uh, as Rush said yesterday, Rush, Rush gave a very uh, honest and adult self-appraisal of his situation and i appreciated him for that he didn't uh, gild it he didn't uh, sentimentalize it he he talked uh, uh, about uh, a deepening sense of connection to god that he had felt uh, in recent weeks this thing happened actually this thing started on his birthday weekend which is about as terrible as it gets he had a pretty terrific start to the new year he introduced the president at an event in in florida and then in the way that uh, fate has a habit of doing just when everything in your life is looking great uh fate comes and uh, kicks your feet out from under you this diagnosis was confirmed just a couple of weeks ago uh, he doesn't like nobody likes having to be sick in public having to be ill in public, um, but he uh, treasures his relationship with his audience. You are his family. You are his family. Uh, and he loves you because you've enabled him to live a wonderful life. Uh, Rush has been able to live his life to his fullest potential because of you. There are lots of brilliant, genius guys all over the place uh, talking to themselves in a room. Uh, it, the difference between Rush and all of them is that millions and millions of you tune in each day uh, to hear his brilliance. Uh, and that's why he values you. You are the critical element of the show. And it's going to be difficult. There's going to be some... I Believe me, it's no fun for the guest hosts either. That thing uh, three weeks ago where I said I was only going to be here for one day and then it was two days and then it was three days and then uh, basically uh, I had to duck as I left the building and headed out into the parking lot because there were snipers waiting to take me out. They didn't want a fourth day or a fifth day. Uh, there's going to be weeks like that just because of the nature of what Rush has and uh, the strength of the treatment he's going to be undergoing. But you want to, when he's here, you want him here at full strength. Uh, so I do urge you to stick with us uh, through that. It, it will be it will be much appreciated. And if you go to Rush's website, if you go to RushLimbaugh.com, there's a button there and you can send a message to Rush and he will 
uh, appreciate those messages. 1-800-282-2882. Um, this, this was uh, a ridiculous uh, news cycle, and it is uh, highly regrettable that Rush is not here to address it because he would be roaring his head off at people who presume to be able to do anything. These are people... What's the biggest issue to the people who were running in the Iowa caucus yesterday? Climate change. That's the number one issue to them. Climate change. Uh, they, so they're people who presume to be able to enact policies that we can recalibrate the very heavens, that can change the climate, that can, can control the, ther- the, the thermostat of the planet. That's how awesome and powerful and boundless the Democrats' ambition is. They can recalibrate the very heavens, the stars above us, and change the climate. And yet, and yet, they can't run uh, an election for 170,000 people. Uh, we now have, the, there's, uh, there's been an update. I said they were planning to re, uh, release, quote, the majority of the Iowa caucus results. It's not actually the majority now, it's just 50%. They're going to release at 5 p.m. Eastern, the Democrat Party says it's going to release uh, 50% of the results from the Iowa caucus. The Iowa caucus, the counting of the Iowa caucus, as I said, there's about 100 people in each precinct average. So it wouldn't be difficult. If this was uh, 1873, we would have known the results hours ago. But it's not 1873. They're using a state-of-the-art app, and they say there's a coding. There's actually no coding required to count 100 people in a room. It really isn't. Uh, but they're pretending there is because they want to screw over Bernie. So they're going to release now. They initially said they would release, quote, the majority of results at 5 p.m. Eastern. They're now going to release 50%. So they're going to release at 5 p.m. U.S. Eastern time. They're going to release the 50% of votes that didn't go to Bernie Sanders. So it'll make Joe Biden's share of the vote look bigger. Because instead of 0.9%, it'll look like Joe got 1.8% because they're only releasing half of them. This is, this isn't, this, this isn't even really funny because they're doing what they've spent. <laughs> they've impeached Donald Trump for planning to steal the 2020 election. They've actually just, this was the first vote in the process of the 2020 election and the DNC just stole it from Bernie. Who's impeaching them? Where do you go to impeach the DNC? We have this guy, Richard Stengel. Do you know him? He's on MSNBC. Uh, and he, uh, he's, he's now saying that I want to make sure I, I, I get this because this is, uh, the two guys happiest with the Iowa results are Donald Trump and his pal Vladimir Putin. <laughs> Putin doesn't care. Do you think Putin honestly cares what Mayor Pete gets in Iowa? Uh, Stengel says, he's this MSNBC guy, said, Richard Stengel says, please don't subscribe to conspiracy theories 
launched by either Trump or Putin. Simple human incompetence is almost always the right explanation. Okay, so Richard Stingle, MSNBC hotshot, big guy, big guy to the left. Uh, Richard Stingle uh, says that um, if if uh, something goes wrong with an election that Trump wins, uh, then it is a conspiracy theory. It's uh, it's Putin who's behind it. But if something goes wrong in a Democrat election, that's just simple Democrat incompetence. So if the Republicans do well, it's because they colluded with Putin. (laughs) If it's the Democrats, that's just Democrat incompetence. His conspiracy theory... This is a guy who believes in conspiracy theories. He believes that Trump conspired with Putin to steal uh, the 2016 election from Hillary. But when the Democrats steal the 2020 election from Bernie, that's just simple incompetence. On balance, I think I'd rather vote for colluders than incompetence. I don't know why... I I honestly... I have no no idea why... uh, how I have no idea how mainstream media figures can actually sit there with a straight face and do and do this. There's nothing to do with coding. We all know what happened here, which is that Joe Biden had a very bad night. That bad night was prefigured by the poll. They didn't want to release that poll on Sunday, the Des Moines Register poll, in case it became a self-fulfilling conspiracy. In case people said, oh, Joe Biden's toast, I'd better switch to Mayor Peter or Amy Klobuchar or whoever. So they didn't release that poll, and it wasn't enough to save Joe Biden. Uh, they, They now got the DNC, and I don't think the DNC is actually interested in saving Joe Biden because... Obama, you can say what you like about Obama, but he knows how, what rubbish Joe Biden is as a candidate because he ran two campaigns with him. When, when, uh, when Joe Biden runs a campaign without uh, Barack Obama, he stinks up the joint and he's a total flopperoo. Uh, Obama knows how bad he is, and that's why he didn't want him to run. But instead... For whatever reason, he got out there and he started running. And now what they're trying to do here, they're trying to, it's important to them to actually, just as they used the superdelegates last time to steal the election from Bernie, now they're changing the rules to steal it from Bernie by letting Bloomberg into the New Hampshire debate, even though he's not even on the ballot there. And they're also... Uh, deciding to, they, they also decided we can't actually release this poll. We can't actually announce the results of an election. It's quite extraordinary in a in a in a first world society. The Nevada State Democratic Party chair William McCurdy II has just announced Nevada Dems can confidently say that what happened in the Iowa caucus last night will not happen in Nevada. We will not be employ, employing the same app or vendor used in the Iowa. So he's part of the conspiracy now. He's pretending it's all to do with the app and coding. What's the explanation for the breakdown of the telephone system? Is that just like the 1973 switchboard, just uh, just getting a little rusty, is it? What's the explanation for why 
uh, Democratic Party telephones don't work in Iowa. The Republican telephones seem to work. It's just the Democrat telephones that are on on the uh, on the fritz. So this company, uh, what's it called? Spectre Shadow Shadow Inc. Not Spectre. Uh, that that uh, Robbie Mook, uh, Mayor Pete has some connection with it, and so does Robbie Mook, the Hillary guy who's now the head of Spectre, Shadow, whatever it's called, he's sitting there in a Nehru jacket, stroking his cat, cackling away uh, at having <laughs> cleared the field for Hillary to re-enter the race in case Bloomberg isn't any good. <laughs> the, the, Democrat, the Democrat, the left always accuses the right of what they're doing themselves. Adam Schiff is presuming to impeach Trump for stealing the 2020 election, and even as he's doing the world's worst closing address, <laughs> the Democrats are stealing their own election in Iowa. That's the state we're in. 1-800-282-2882. We will, oh, breaking news from New Hampshire, uh, Bill Gardner, who's been uh, the Secretary of State there for as long as I've been living in the state, uh, he said, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about the New Hampshire results because, quote, you can't hack a pencil. There's no coding required with a pencil and a piece of paper. So there's a sporting chance, <laughs> unless Bernie does spectacularly, and then they might uh, mysteriously, even then, the pencils and papers might suddenly mysteriously seize up in New Hampshire. Mark Stein for Rush, we will take your call straight ahead. You know how this works. Uh, Republicans gloat over Iowa caucus meltdown. That's the headline at CBS News. Republicans gloat over Iowa caucus meltdown. So if if the Republicans had managed to screw up the caucus last night, the story at CBS News would have been that Republicans are too stupid to run a caucus. Uh, but at CBS News, when the Democrats screw up a caucus, the story is that Republicans are gloating over it. Actually, you know, CBS News, you sat there looking like idiots last night. So did NBC News, so did ABC, so did CNN, so did all of them, because you had nothing to report, because you were sitting there, and I didn't, I gave up on it. You know, I thought, I'm not, this is lousy, this is... Uh, yeah, this is this is worse than one of those lousy award ceremonies. There's nothing going on here. I went to bed, uh, and uh, uh, so I don't know whether they all actually stayed there until the morning show guys came in at five in the morning. But if they did, more fool them. If you're not gloating, this if this story that Richard Stengel says that this is just simple incompetence, it's not incompetence. Uh, you can count 100 people in a room. 1,700 people can count 100 people in 1,700 rooms uh, and using, even if they don't have telephones, even if uh, just in outlying parts of Iowa they've just got the horse and buggy, you can still climb into the old pony and trap, maybe get a go send someone down to the feed store, knock the guy uh, up and bang on his door so you get some extra feed for the horse so he can take him all the way to Des Moines. You can still have the results by now. All this talk about apps and coding is, is a rubbish. They're stealing it in front of your face. Uh, let us go to uh, Crail. In uh, Henderson, uh, Nebraska. Crail, you're live on the Rush Limbaugh Show. Great to have you with us. Mark, I want you to know I am waiting 
for President Trump's tweet to ask the Russians where the missing Iowa caucus Democrat votes are. I really... yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to. I want. I want him to go one better than that, Crail. At the State of the Union tonight, uh, and you've got to imagine it's going to be. He's not going to be able to risk, resist the temptation to say something about the Iowa fiasco. I want him actually to reprise the joke he did on the stage uh, four years ago and say, uh, if as you said, ask Putin to come up with those missing Iowa caucus votes. In fact, I, I think he should do that. And Putin would play along with it, actually. They should, or they should find some Macedonian content farmers standing there with uh, extra boxes of Joe Biden votes <laughs> that they've just managed. Unfortunately, it's a terrible, it's terrible, terrible business, uh, this. But, uh, you know, we were hearing earlier from Marion, Iowa, which is in the greater C- Cedar Rapids area. And Joe Joe Biden's vote was a little low in the Cedar Rapids area. I'm sure there's someone in uh, in Macedonia, probably not in Skopje, but one of those Macedonian content farmers has uh, somehow someone managed to get the box of extra Joe Biden votes, and it actually got FedEx to Macedonia. But that Macedonian guy, I hope Trump, I hope Trump runs with this, and has a has a, has the time of his life with this. It's all connected. Because for Democrats, going back now a generation, there is no such thing as a legitimate Republican victory. If you recall, uh, that goes back to the Florida recount, the Florida recount, the selected, not the elected president. That's what they call Bush. Uh, so if a Republican wins, it has to be because he's, he's stole it. And, and Democrats have become very comfortable with that. So they never, basically, Hillary was expected to win. So because she didn't, uh, Trump must have stolen the election. The only way Trump can prove he didn't steal the election is to resign from office tonight at the State of the Union or to lose the next one in November, to throw it to her. And that way, it's like the old ducking stool for witches. Uh, If you you survive the ducking stool, you are ducked in the water. And if you were still alive when they brought the stool up, uh, that was proof you were a witch, uh, so they killed you. But if they put the ducking stool in the water and you, when they brought it up you were dead because you were drowned, that proved you were not a witch. But it's a precious little consolation to you because you're pushing up daisies. That's how it is with Trump. If Trump wins the 2020 election, it just proves he's stolen another election. But if he loses the election, that proves it was a fair election. Here's how bad it's gotten for the Democrats now. They're so bad at this. They really are bad at this. They're so bad at this that they've been reduced to stealing their own elections. It's actually quite staggering. People keep talking about the moderate wing of the Democrat Party. And as Rush said yesterday, they believe all the crazy stuff too. They believe it less openly, though, which is a problem. Because it often makes you uh, less effective of a communicator. There's also another problem in that the so-called moderate wing of the Democrat Party are the guys who steal the most. They're the biggest kleptocrats. They're the biggest thieves. Whether you're talking about the Clinton Foundation or High Hunter Biden, they're the most corrupt. They're the sleaziest wing of the party. And so as a result of that, because against the Republicans, 
they've uh, been so used to not arguing and not debating the merits, but just saying, you stole the election, you stole it, you're a thief, you stole it, uh, that they're now actually doing it to their own side too. Yes, it is uh, an honour to be here, as it always is, uh, direct from Ice Station EIB in the far northern wastes of this great republic. Uh, we have Mike and Ali keeping an eye on things down in New York. It's a, it's a tough day, though. Uh, as Rush said yesterday, he broke the news to his staff shortly before the show uh, that he had advanced lung cancer. It was the number one trending story around the globe. Uh, shortly thereafter, and uh, I assume it's even worse for Mr. Snardley and uh, everybody at the show, but I've had a, I've had a ton of uh, emails uh, and tweets uh, by people who want to send Rush uh, messages and Rush greetings, uh, and Dan Mills says, I've been listening uh, nearly every day to Rush for 30-plus years. I'm not a touchy-feely guy, but I consider him an older brother. Uh, as an effort to keep things as normal on the broadcast as possible, would it be appropriate to bring back dittos in a way similar to how it was used before? It would be a great way to acknowledge our support for Rush. Maybe uh, Mr. Snurdly or whoever is screening calls uh, can get it started. Well, it's uh, Ali who's uh, in for Mr. Snurdly today on the on the call screening. And actually, it's it's uh, I think it's time to bring back. Uh, uh, mega dittos as the sh- as the shorthand because it is this is a, certainly a mega situation uh, that Rush is facing. But uh, actually, somebody already uh, did that. Uh, I think at my uh, my website this morning in the comments section, somebody actually uh, put uh, uh, dittos uh, as uh, as the thing. As you know, everybody knows this, but uh, you all know this with the ditto heads. I guess it must have started in circa 1991 or 1992, very early on in the show. And uh, people used to, when I first started guest hosting here, people used to call up and just go mega dittos and everything. And we all understood what that meant. And um, perhaps it would be possible just to revive it as part of general good wishes for Rush. He does uh, need those good wishes. These things always go in tandem. Anyone who's been to uh, into a hospital and anything to do with doctors over any length of time uh, knows <clears throat> that uh, there are broader questions there than just uh, laser surgery and scalpels and all the rest of it. And the good wishes of uh, Russia's listeners are a vital part of what he's going to be going through in in the next in, in the next few months. Um, we've been uh, trying to get on top of what's happening in Iowa. They are promising to release half of the results, the half that the DNC likes, the half the DNC approves of. Uh, this is uh, this is just whichever Caudillo ca- uh, will be announcing the results from the balcony of the presidential palace uh, at DNC headquarters. Uh, approving the 50% of the results that they think it's safe to release. The 50% of precincts that Bernie Sanders won, <laughs> that's still going to require more time to look at, apparently. Well, do we say in the Granite State of New Hampshire, ever since I've been, I've been in this state a long time. I mentioned Bill Gardner, the Secretary of State in New Hampshire, who's been Secretary of State all the time I've been in New Hampshire. He's been Secretary of State for decades. He may even have been Secretary of State since 
uh, the state was founded. Uh, but uh, John H. Sununu, <clears throat> our former governor, uh, whose son is now the governor, but John uh, John H. Sununu, the former governor of New Hampshire, his line was, well, he was never, John, John Sununu has never been a big fan of the Iowa caucus. Uh, he, and he says nice things about Iowa, but his great line is, Iowa picks corn, New Hampshire picks presidents. I wouldn't trust uh, the Iowa Democrat Party to to uh, pick corn after last night. Uh, what's interesting is that Iowa Democrats are resentful of the fact that it's all being blamed on them, uh, by which the implication is that some way, somehow, some guy from... Uh, National headquarters parachuted in and put everything on hold there. Uh, but it looks as if uh, we're going to get half the... And again, that is even... What kind of election... And now, what kind of election announces half the results? Right? Because this is a unitary thing. What matters is, in the end, from it's a statewide election. So what matters is... Who comes out of the statewide results with how many delegates? How many votes and then how many delegates? Because you know the delegates thing is a racket too. You can win and then under the Democrat system, you mysteriously wind up with fewer delegates uh, or it's settled by a coin toss or whatever. So you spend a year campaigning, stumping out. You go to all these things you hate like that aim straw poll and the state fair and all the corn dogs and all the rest of it, you're shoveling down. You spend a year there, and then all unfortunately, uh, quality control issue. We had a coding problem uh, with the new app, so uh, we're not releasing the results. Why are you releasing partial results? Is there anything more corrupt than that? Huh? Just let's say you just uh, just try and think of any statewide election all that matters is the final result it's not like watching people running around a track at the olympics where you know the jamaican fella is out in front uh for three laps and then the kenyan comes past him on the bend it's you don't follow it like that what matters is the result you don't announce uh you don't announce the result after three laps and everybody comes out to the podium and they play the national anthems at the Olympics. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Well, obviously, what matters to them is damaging Bernie before New Hampshire. So how can you do that? You, imagine Bernie now is stumping around New Hampshire giving speeches. If they'd had a normal election, he'd be stumping around New Hampshire giving speeches about how he'd won. And it was a tremendous victory, and he'd have the big mo, uh, as I think George Bush Sr. used to talk about. The big mo. He'd have the big mo. And uh, now nobody's got the big mo. Uh, the big, there's no mo. It's molus. They're molus in New Hampshire because there's no Iowa result. And there's a reason why they're doing that. They might not be able to deny him... Uh, ultimate victory. But if they can delay, delay, delay the result so he has fewer days to capitalize on it before the New Hampshire primary, they can act, they can damage him. If, on the other hand, this uh, this 50% of the results shows, you know, I don't know, Mayor Pete's won or uh, Joe Biden's come a respectable second, then they will mitigate the damage to that. But it's the brazenness that's going on. 
It's the brazenness here. And you have to ask yourself what the point is. What, the, what is this Shadow Inc. for a start? Why do people with names like Shadow Inc. actually wind up running American elections? Uh, when, as Bill Gardner, the Secretary of State, says, you can't hack a pencil. Uh, they couldn't afford... The Democrats uh, can't... Uh, whenever we have close elections, I always say my great line is always that the, Democrat, the Republican is to win beyond the margin of lawyer. Because otherwise, after election day, he'll win on election night, and then on the morning after, the Democrats will sue them, uh, sue themselves into victory. Oddly enough, whenever they find the extra boxes of votes, whenever they find the the, the Chad diviners hold up the Chads and divine the dimpled Chad as being an uncounted vote, it's always an uncounted vote for the Democrats. It's always Democrat. It's, I don't know how this happens. Uh, as, uh, as this guy Stengel from MSNBC was saying, Democrats are noticeably incompetent. And so a simple thing like voting is beyond them, particularly because all the voting systems here are complicated, not like putting an X on a piece of paper. Or why don't they actually, why don't they do it like they do it uh, when America supervises an election in Iraq or Afghanistan and everyone emerges with the indigo dyed finger? Would that be simple enough for Democrat voters uh, if they had to have their dyed indigo finger there? Uh, so all the count uncounted votes suddenly mysteriously show up and they're all for Democrats. And this time round, and this has made... As I said, Democrats, because they can never win just by out-arguing, out-debating their opponents on the merits. Uh, they rely on losing the election and then having to steal it. And now they're actually having to do that in their own primaries. Where's this going? They wouldn't be developing sinister companies like Spectre and Shadow if they were just going to steal the Iowa caucus. Just going to some cockamamie place in the middle of nowhere uh, where they're all meeting in some gym and stealing 73 votes in some gym in Iowa. Do you think do you think they're planning to use Shadow and Spectre and these other fantastic new state of the art apps? Do you think these might come into play in November's election? I'm beginning to think it might. I'm beginning to think. This wasn't necessary. This, this, this might just be a dry run for some bigger plan the DNC is, uh, is, is thinking about. It is pathetic. And we are right to gloat. And for CBS News to think that the news is republic. <laughs> Democrats stole this election and are reduced to passing themselves off as incompetents. And we would be derelict in our duties if we did not look at what they've done. And look at how connected it is with the media. There was some guy last night, uh, as he was explaining the delay, and he's standing in a room. This was on um, MSNBC, I believe. He's standing in a room. You can see in the Joe Biden corner, there's just four Biden supporters, right? Like there's a 100 on average in these precincts. And you've got to get 15% to be viable, as they say. Uh, so you've got to get 15 voters, roughly. If you see 15 voters in the Biden corner, you'll know that he's going to make it to the swimsuit round. He only had four votes in there. Joe Biden it didn't make it through to the swimsuit round in this particular precinct. And the guy's on there on MSNBC. He's, you can see it in the picture behind him. He starts to talk about it. Whoop, and they cut away to, they cut away to something. They cut away to something else. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, they go away to another story entirely. 
It's the brazenness. This is, this is actually uh, African president for life type brazenness. Hosni Mubarak, when he stole elections in Egypt, he always said to his guys, could you be subtle about it? It's like one year he won with 97.3% of the vote. And he said, are you guys crazy? You're making me look like Saddam Hussein or that guy in North Korea. Could you be a bit more subtle about how you steal the election? And if Hosni Mubarak had been in a Democrat headquarters in Des Moines last night, I don't know where he is. Maybe he was there. Uh, he would be tearing his hair out. The brazenness of the election malarkey, as Joe Biden would say, is out of control. Mark Stein for Rush Limbaugh. Your calls straight ahead. Mark Stein in for Rush Limbaugh. Uh, the Iowa caucus on the Democrat side was run. If you were wondering what happened to those prison guards who fell asleep while looking after Jeffrey Epstein, they were reassigned to run the Iowa caucus, and they did their usual terrific job. Let us go to Ken in Greenwich, Connecticut. Ken, you're live on the Rush Limbaugh Show. Make it do, Mark. Uh, reason I'm calling is... Thank you, Ken. I was listening to your last uh, segment there, and the... Uh, what happened in Iowa last night sounds so much like the last, the last, as far as I can remember, the elections here in Connecticut. Uh, every time the, the, the Democrats look like it's not going their way, suddenly uh, there's ballot boxes of ballots that are in the trunk of somebody's car, or they they got wet and they they have to keep polling polling places open for uh, for hours and hours after mm. the uh, mm. designated closing time. And at the end, it always seems the Democrat always wins. And but yep. the trouble is nobody nobody seems to uh, to do anything about it. The the Republican candidate kind of says okay, fine, and he goes home and and nobody asks for a recount. Nobody asks for uh, to investigate. It's just it's it does it happens every 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 uh, cycle. It seems. No, that's right. If the if the Republican doesn't win unambiguously on election night, uh, the Democrat is going to win. Uh, two weeks after the election. That's the only reason Al Franken was in the Senate. Uh, if you remember running against the Republican incumbent Norm Coleman in Minnesota, yeah. and as you said, Norm did the decent thing and just went home. It's, it's, it's the Democrat who, they're serious about stealing it. But as you said, it's always been about boxes here and there or when it's these. And, and these things only happen at Democrat run polling stations. It's like the, the thing we yeah. saw last time in Florida in the gubernatorial and the uh, and the Senate race where these uh, they're going to uh, badly run Democrat precincts. As you say, they keep the the open later the polls close at seven o'clock oh well wait a minute we haven't got quite enough votes yet so we're going to keep them open till 11 o'clock uh and then if that doesn't work then they start finding uh, mysterious boxes that are left in the parking lot and all the rest of it. in this case they actually did go full-blown banana republic and they stood up there and said ah oh, no uh we don't like the look of these results so we're not going to be releasing them we might release them in the next few days we might release a few of them I don't know. I don't know why people put up with this. The every single every every uh, honest Democrat, and particularly Bernie Sanders, Ken. I mean, the, the Bernie Sanders uh, to the Democrats is somewhat analogous of Trump to the Republicans. They're both outsiders. 
uh, trying to engineer a, a hostile takeover of the establishment parties. But the reason why uh, Trump is president and Bernie isn't is because Bernie lacked the killer instinct last time round. He basically lost when he said, I'm sick to death of your damn emails, because he told Hillary he wasn't going to be serious about taking on her corruption. And so last night, he didn't get to give a, a victory speech. He should be mad about that, and he should actually be saying, we all know why this has happened. It's because Joe Biden lost, and they're trying to drag him. They're trying to find enough dimpled chads to drag him across the finish line now. And I have no idea why uh, Bernie and the Bernie bros actually aren't mad madder about this, Ken, because... As you say, Democrats uh, have sort of taken it to the next level on this uh, on this thing. I got a, I've uh, it's a good it's a good point, but uh, and I know they do it in Connecticut, and I know they do it in Florida, and they do it in Minnesota, and they do it all over the map. But this is so. But they're basically just saying, uh, well, I know we held the election, but we might actually not be having any results. We might not be able to release them. There might be a problem. You might never know who won. That's actually they're getting more brazen about this, Ken. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for your call. And thank you for your uh, mega, mega dittos. They're much appreciated. Um, and uh, and he's he's got a good point. They've done this a, a long time in a lot of places, but it's getting out of hand. It's getting out of control. And the implications of last night for November are not good. Mark Stein in for Rush. More to come. If Joe Biden falls in Iowa, but nobody reports it, did he in fact lose? Did he in fact come a distant fourth? Or can we... There are, Remember all the cliches? There are only three tickets out of Iowa. Joe Biden came in fourth place. Joe Biden came a poor fourth. Yes, uh, as you know, Rush is out today. <clears throat> He'll be out tomorrow, and he hopes to be back on Thursday. And you know how, how this goes. Rush takes hardly any time off. He takes uh, a few days at Christmas. He takes uh, big public holidays like Thanksgiving. He takes the occasional golf day. He takes, he takes less time off than the average uh, unionized worker anywhere in the European Union does. He takes, let's say, a, 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 a Greek hairdresser takes six weeks a year off. Well, when was the last time Rush took uh, six weeks off uh, in uh, in a year? People And people don't like it. Nobody likes it, uh, the guest host thing. Uh, and uh, guest hosts live in fear of Rush taking two, three, four, five days off because then... Uh, the hostility to the guest host uh, starts to turn into a near homicidal rage. Um, uh, Rush takes very few, very few uh, days off, except for these charity golf things, or he'll be meeting the president or something like that. He's off today to see his doctors uh, because he got a diagnosis uh, no one likes to get just two weeks ago. Uh, as you know, he uh, it's all over the news. He's been diagnosed with uh, advanced lung cancer and they're just mapping out he says he feels fine he's got no symptoms none of that right now they're just outlining the course of treatment and regardless of the symptoms or the progress of the disease uh the the treatment is is clobbering and he shared it with you 
not because he particularly wanted to, but because these things have a habit of leaking. And uh, it's not a pleasant thing to be sick, and it's even less pleasant when you have to be sick uh, in public, and it's uh, especially unpleasant when you have to be sick in public uh, when there are all kinds of evil people uh, out there on Twitter and Facebook saying all kinds of appalling things. I'm not even going to go there. Don't bother mentioning that. Um, I remember this from when Rush had his heart problem in uh, Hawaii, I guess about a decade ago, and there were some truly horrible things over those two or three days that came out on Twitter and everything then. And after that, I resolved I wasn't going to pay any attention to it. You have to be enormous reserves of strength to do what Rush does and to withstand uh, all these. Mostly it just bounces bounces off him, uh, some of these things. And as he says, that's how he knows he's right. There's a lovely piece. When I started guest hosting here, all the guest hosts were called Mark. That's the only way I got in. I, I, I met the minimum entry qualification. There was Mark Belling and there was Mark Davis. And Mark Davis has a lovely piece at townhall.com today uh, recalling the years when he was uh, guest hosting behind the golden EIB microphone and uh, having cigars with Rush and adult beverages, as Rush likes to likes to call them, and it's a lovely, sweet, affectionate piece of what Rush means to this industry and to the, conser- and to the conservative m- movement. I don't, I, I, I don't, I look at the state, we all bemoan the state of principled philosophical conservatism in, in uh, America and throughout the wider world, and we wonder why it isn't bigger. And you think about what Rush has done. Rush was really the guy who who took it to took took it to the next level. Before Rush, uh, there were a few magazines. There was uh, William Buckley's National Review and one or two other things. Uh, but Rush was Rush was the guy who actually took it out to a mass audience. And the thing about radio. Uh, this is why people love Rush. I I saw a comment somewhere who, uh, from uh, someone, a listener who just heard the news yesterday. He said, uh, Rush is uh, the best friend I've never met. And that's how people feel uh, when you've been listening to somebody for 15 hours a week. You're just driving around. You're listening at home. And he's there day after day. He's in your head. It's a, it's a more intimate relationship than television or movies or anything like that. He's talking to you. There's just his voice and the connection with the listener between Rush and millions and millions and millions of people is something uh, that he does. It's it's true for, you know, I take it it's true for some guy on the morning show at Port Moresby in Papua New Guinea, but it's no one's ever done it on the scale that Rush has done it or for as long as Rush has done it. And he is in a tough spot right now, uh, and he has got the best doctors, as he said yesterday, but your contribution, your contribution and your support for Rush and for the show uh, and for helping him get through this is uh, is vital as well. And I thank you for the Kind words I've I've uh, I've received, and I thank you also 
uh, for those of you uh, who've sent messages to him direct. He appreciates them. It means something to him. It's important to him. Uh, Mark Stein in for Rush on a ludicrous day, even by the standards of these ghastly joke election systems. Uh, Meanwhile, we have the State of the Union tonight. And (laughs) impeachment has, of course, made Trump stronger. Uh, his, his, his numbers, his approval ratings are higher than they've ever been. As we saw in Iowa, it's motivated people to go and support Trump in an essentially uncompetitive Republican primary. I think Bill Weld, remember him? No, me neither. Uh, Bill Weld, I think, was running against him. Uh, he was uh, governor of Massachusetts in, uh, what was it, the 1980s, 1930s, something like that. And uh, he's come back out of retirement to clobber Trump and he's predicting he didn't do well in uh, Iowa, but he's predicting he's going to go gangbusters in New Hampshire next week. This uh, Trump Trump's impeachment motivated Trump supporters to the polls in Iowa and didn't motivate uh, uh, anti-Trump people to the Democrat polls. One hundred and seventy thousand is as bad as it was 2016. They're not enthused. They have no candidates. Uh, meanwhile, the we have the wrap-up of the zombie impeachment trial tomorrow, supposedly. Rand Paul has read the alleged whistleblower's name, Eric Chiaramella. Uh, he said Eric Chiaramella's name on the Senate floor. Uh, the Chief Justice of the United States, John Roberts, nixed Rand Paul's question a couple of days ago because it identified, it, it contained the words Eric and Chiaramella. So when the Chief Justice did that, he basically told the world, in case you were still wondering, he basically told the world that the uh, the whistleblower was Eric Chiaramella. <laughs> because uh, by uh, if that's the only name you can't say in the Senate impeachment trial, there's got to be a, a, a reason for that. Thanks a lot for giving us the name of the whistleblower, Mr. Chief Justice. It's that kind of genius. That's the reason you got made, Chief Justice. We really appreciate it. Um, so tomorrow, uh, so Rand Paul was not happy about that, and he went and read the, I only remember it, the name, because Rush said it uh, just before Christmas, and I think I was on the next day, and I'm, uh, my mnemonic for remembering the guy's name was, Eric Chiaramella is the thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. Well, Rand Paul has, I don't know whether he sang it, but he, he gave the name away uh, on on the the Senate floor. Joe Biden, this is interesting. Uh, Savannah Guthrie raised the question of nepotism and Hunter Biden with Joe Biden. And, of course, Joe Biden floundered around, uh, didn't actually have a coherent uh, answer to give on the nepotism, just kept saying, who said, who said that, who said that, and then said he's a very bright boy. He's not a bright boy. He's a guy who leaves a crack pipe in a rental car. <laughs> He's, there's nothing bright about that, uh, except, of course, that if you're the vice president's son, you can rely on, you know, uh, the way it is, the uh, uh, way it operates is because he's a Democrat vice president's son. Uh, that all gets uh, covered up. But he's not a bright boy because it's not terribly bright to leave the old crack pipe in. I mean, it's not considerate to leave a crack pipe in a rental car, uh, but it's also not terribly bright either. And so this all came. This all came up, and the question is: Why does is Savannah Guthrie uh, putting this to Joe Biden right now? And we had a call on with Rush. I think it was the first caller yesterday, 
who was saying that basically his theory is that this the impeachment was always designed mostly to to damage joe and i don't know whether that's the case i don't know whether they think that far ahead basically joe biden was there because they thought they could do what they couldn't do last time they had an inadequate candidate candidate with no life no energy but thought they could just drag her across the finish line and they think they could do that they thought they could do that with joe biden too and it's fantastic he was He's had Iowa to himself, basically, the last couple of weeks. While all his big rivals like Biden, like Bernie and Elizabeth Warren are all walled up in the Senate on this tedious impeachment trial. So everybody, if you say, if you're, if you're interested in politics in Iowa and you're saying, oh, uh, I thought we might go to a political event tonight. Who's uh, appearing? Uh, let me see here. Uh, there's nobody but Joe Biden. Uh, okay, never mind. I wonder what's uh, maybe there's a Golden Girls rerun on TV. I think I'll skip that. Um, so he's had the entire state to himself, and his numbers sunk. And do you know what he did? His answer. Uh, Rush mentioned this yesterday too. He got John Kerry in to campaign for him. John Kerry came, appeared on stage after Biden, and spoke longer. Who, what genius would do that to his own campaign? John Kerry, last time round, when John Kerry ran, 2004, he had, he had an accident at some point in the campaign. I forget what it, I think he was throwing the first pitch. Was he throwing the first pitch at the Red Sox? And it like sailed off the ball, sailed, you know, two inches off the end of his nose, landed on his big toe and broke it. So he was like laid up in hospital for a week and his numbers went up. Because when John Kerry's not actually campaigning, his campaign is more effective. His numbers go up. If John Kerry could have arranged to actually be in the hospital for the entire campaign, he would have won the 2004 election. And that's what Joe Biden is. When Joe Biden, you know, you'd have a, we'd have a Bernie event. We'd have an Elizabeth Warren event. Uh, we'd have an Amy Klobuchar event, and then you'd cut on the news to, like, 12 seconds of Joe Biden uh, wandering around. Uh, God love you, pal. <laughs> it's great to be here in Ohio. Uh, then Joe Biden's numbers were stabilized, stabilized. The minute there's nothing to report on Channel 7, Iowa Witness News, Iowa, except Biden events, <laughs> he's, he's on the express checkout to oblivion. He's on the Oblivion Express one-way ticket. And that's all we know about this Iowa caucus. He came a lousy fourth. He didn't come a respectable fourth. We watch all these guys saying, oh, there are only three tickets out of Iowa. Three tickets out of Iowa. I don't even know whether that's true. I don't care whether it's true. I'm sick of hearing people say it. It sounds like some, you know, uh, thriller from the 1950s. Three tickets out of Iowa. Somebody's got the secret code. Maybe it was it an obscure Hitchcock film. Somebody's got the secret codes. They're trying to get them out of Iowa, but the border guards on the Iowa border are preventing them getting them out. There's only three tickets out of Iowa. Well, what happens if you have the fourth ticket? Nobody, nobody is saying three tickets out of Iowa now because Joe Biden came a poor fourth. So they can't announce that news until he's out of Iowa and in New Hampshire. It's the brazenness and the cover up on the media, the media who stand there and they know they've seen in the precincts that Joe Biden didn't make the minimum 15 percent threshold. Why aren't they reporting that? This is worse than Pravda. 
It's not even a national election. It's just competing varieties of lefty. Why are they, why is this evil, corrupt media not even reporting that? You know, this is one of the reasons why we need this show. I've, I've uh, been in other countries. I've lived in other countries. We have a huge problem just north of here in the Dominion of Canada because there's no equivalent to Rush. Uh, we have a huge problem in Europe, huge problem in the United Kingdom. There's nothing like Rush. There's nothing that comes close to Rush. And we saw just we yesterday we had one of those perfect split-screen moments Rush gave his announcement. Everyone goes, oh, my God, oh, my God. Uh, and that night, we see what the non-Rush media do. They know Joe Biden. The one thing you can say about this result, we don't know how whether Mayor Pete outperformed, how badly Elizabeth Warren did. But basically, one, two, three are Sanders, Buddy Judge, Warren. There may be a bit of question about who comes where on that. But the one thing we all know, because we saw it, is Biden came a poor fourth. Why won't this dirty, rotten, corrupt, lickspittle eunuch media say that to us? Mark Stein for Rush. We will take your call straight ahead. America's number one radio show in its fourth decade on the air. The one, the only, the Rush Limbaugh Show. Mark Stein sitting in, honored to be here. Let us go to uh, Rush's home state of Florida, to Cape Coral, and to Charles. Charles, you're live on the Rush Limbaugh Show. Great to have you with us. Thank you, thank you. Uh, mega dittos from Cape Coral to Rush and his family. And just wanted to um, get your opinion. You know, I'm looking at the Democratic Party, like you were saying earlier, the moderate and the socialist side and it just seems that they're eating themselves from within you know you have bernie four years ago who got gypped out of the nomination and certainly seems that there could be something in them trying to pull this off again and then you have aoc like a month ago who refuses to give her dues to the democratic party and i'm just wondering if if this side of the party is realizing that this is about as far as they're going to go with the moderate side of the party. I think they help each other out for a lot of it, but it seems that the socialist side has kind of come to a place like, what are we going to do if we do all this work? And it just keeps ending like this. Well, I think that I think the actual temperature of the Democrat Party is one of the interesting things around them. Now, if you recall what AOC said, she said that if we win any other country, uh, Joe Biden and I would not be in the same party. What what she means by that uh, is that in the if if they were in uh, continental Europe or even in Canada, that AOC would be in the hard left party and uh, Joe Biden would be in the corrupt left party. But because there's a frozen party system here, unique. Uh, in the free world, where the, the, there's only two parties and they've been the same two parties for 150 years and it's been frozen, uh, that it's so difficult to start a party that actually doing what AOC and Bernie are doing, uh, which is hollowing out and taking over a party from within, is the way to go. The other point, Charles, that I think is absolutely correct, that Rush was talking about yesterday, is that the so-called moderates are, in fact, left-wing. Everyone talks about... Uh, Nancy Pelosi as if she's this wise, old, experienced restraint on crazies like AOC. She's she's in favor of open borders. 
She's someone who says that uh, these illegal immigrants are actually better than us, that they're actually better than you. They're better than they're, they're better than native born Americans. And she stood up in a room and thanked thank their parents for sending these illegal children, these dreamers to us because we're blessed and we're enriched by That's as crazy and left-wing as anything, wanting the other 7 billion people on the planet who aren't American to move here. So I think, I think the difference is that it's because Bernie's up front about it. He calls himself a democratic socialist. Uh, and, and these guys uh, are, uh, are socialists in moderate garb. Um, and and they think if you actually have a socialist in socialist garb, uh, like Bernie is, if you say, yeah, I, I vacationed in the Soviet Union, it was, it, it, you know, it was great. I love the Soviet Union. I can't wait to, for America to be like the Soviet. The Soviet Union. I, I on my honeymoon, we went to a supermarket. Every checkout line is for nine items or less. It's great. I can't wait to bring that system here. That's that. Bernie is honest about it, uh, and that's what they don't like, Charles. Yeah, I don't know. Thank what you. We, we have to go, call, Charles. We'll pick it up. We'll pick it up on the other side. Just a moment. Yes, and uh, I, I, I kind of sort of cut uh, Charles in Cape Cole, Florida. Uh, I was uh, yakking away so merrily myself. I didn't give him enough uh, time to answer. Forgot to, forgot to look at the, the clock. We don't we don't cut people off. We don't silence people. Uh, we're not like the people who run the Des Moines Register poll, and if they're not saying what it, we want them to say, we eighty six the poll. We're not like those people who run the Democrat elections in Iowa. If we don't like what the people were saying, we cancel the election. We we let people have their say. So we kept Charles on in Cape Coral. And uh, Charles, uh, I I didn't give you enough time to respond no worries, no worries. Uh, before I the break. saying that if, uh, you know, the moderate Dems, then now that they can't keep, you were talking about them eating themselves from within. And mm. apparently you know, or uh, them taking it over from within. And I just think that they've lost control of that socialist side. And I think this is, they've always thought they needed their votes and they needed each other to get whatever agenda they had through. But it's come right. to a point that they can't control it in the end anymore. And I just don't know what's going to happen here. I mean, I, I'm confident on our side, on the Republican side, that we've got things under control. But this is a party that's on fire right now. And the media is covering yeah. it up. And, you know, and whatever they want to spin it. But it's a it's a party that's inflamed from the inside out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, what's astonishing is if you look at uh, the Trump's approval ratings, they've gone up to 49 percent. They've basically gone up 10 points since impeachment, uh, since they started impeaching him. Uh, we have a mainstream media that doesn't even tell you the the news doesn't tell you the good news about the economy or whatever so it all has to be gotten out secretly it's like being behind the iron curtain in the 1950s it all has to just sort of seep out quietly but it's seeping out uh, and the democrats have a terrible problem but the, the what just to go back to the point rush was making yesterday because he's absolutely right there aren't any scoop jackson democrats that idea of of kind of moderate effective centrist democrats they've all gone joe biden uh is the like the last surviving guy he, and even he got it took him a 
bit of time to get up to speed because he was standing on stage reminiscing nostalgically about what a wonderful time it was in the 70s. Uh, he was working with these uh, hardcore segregationist guys in the party, but they were easy to do deals with, uh, and he opposed busing and all the rest of it. And uh, uh, Kamala Harris and everybody start clobbering him for it, and basically Joe Biden starts throwing out policies he supported in the 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, and the beginning of the teens, and and basically uh, scrambling to catch up. Mayor Pete, uh, what's what's actually interesting about Mayor Pete is the number of uh, people who the, the the number of gays who dislike the fact that he's gay because his politics is uh, is is too is too moderate for them the energy of the base of the party is all on the hardcore left side and they want a hardcore left uh, candidate and they're tired of Nancy Pelosi and co saying no we have to pretend to, uh, to be moderate that's that, that's not really that's a far worse situation uh, than than any of the splits that are going on on the on the right hand side of the field, Charles. Yeah, thank you for your call. Very time. No, I'm I'm the one who's supposed to say thank you for your call, Charles. <laughs> That's the host prerogative. You're auditioning there. You're you're doing a guest host audition. That was pretty good, actually. I was rather. I liked his accent. Thanks. He's a good, good voice. Thank you for your thank you for your call, Charles. Yeah, we may get you in uh, next week some sometime. That's uh, that's great. Thank you, thank you very much uh, to Charles for that. Uh, this this actually is an illustration. Do you remember when Joe Biden was uh, whatever he was doing, saying coal mining isn't coming back? There's not going to be any coal miners. And some, who who was it? Was that a coal miner who asked him what he was meant to do? And Joe Biden said, learn to code, pal. Joe Biden can't code, by the way. He, he's learned to say the phrase, learn to code. That's all he knows. He can't, he can't actually code. Rush actually could code. Rush is way better on the technology uh, than I am. He could take apart any one of these Apple gizmos and put it back together again. He knows what all the programs are. He knows all the apps. Uh, he understands all the apps inside out. Uh, evidently, someone... <laughs> After Joe Biden advised this guy to, to learn to code, uh, somebody went into the crowd, plucked out that guy and a couple of others, uh, and actually put them in charge of running the Iowa caucus. So we are now going at 5 p.m. Eastern. We are going to get the results of this thing. Um, the, 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 point, the point about this is what are the Democrats going to do? They had bad turnout. Um, you got to bet that a lot of that is from the sort of people who say, oh, yeah, I support Biden. But there's no enthusiasm for Biden. So if you're given, if someone calls you up on the telephone and you respond to a poll and you read a bunch of names and you don't follow politics particularly closely, Joe Biden's is the name you recognize. So you say you support Biden, but you don't do it with any enthusiasm, and you're certainly not going to leave your house and go and stand all evening in a gymnasium being uh, shuffled into a corner over Joe Biden. So the question is, who's going to say, if, if the Democrats don't want Bernie, who's going to save them from Bernie? Now, you've got Bloomberg. Bloomberg... Uh, Trump Trump is a genius. I mentioned earlier 
that he's got the media fact-checking jokes. He made this joke that Bloomberg had asked to stand on a box uh, for the debate in New Hampshire. They're letting the billionaire into the debate. He's not on the ballot in New Hampshire, but he's going to be in the New Hampshire debate because he's rich and he's moderate, according to the Democrats, and he and so the Democrats now said Biden is fading. Biden is fading. We got to get we got to get Bloomberg in uh, to try and uh, save us from a Bernie Sanders thing. Uh, and the thing about <laughs> Bloomberg, Bloomberg, I met Bloomberg just once. He gave me a prize about a decade ago, and it was after it was short. I remember it because it was shortly after he had said uh, he had been caught on a hot mic uh, at the country club. Uh, oh, oh, saying to one of his fellow billionaires, uh, we got to have these illegal immigrants because otherwise who's going to be our caddies? Uh, that, that's one of the real key sectors of the American economy is golf caddies to billionaires. And it's one of the jobs Americans won't do because let's face it, how desperate would you have to be to take a job as a golf caddy for Michael Bloomberg? So uh, they have to have Mexicans and Nicaraguans and uh, people from Latin America come and be all the because uh, because people don't like it after a while. Obviously, if you're a golf caddy for Michael Bloomberg, it's a pretty onerous job. Most people can't do it for more than a couple of weeks, and then they have to move on. Uh, and I remember I remember uh, that because after getting the award, I turned and looked at him and I said, "See, this is how it starts. <laughs> you know, uh, sure we come here and we're content to be your golf caddy for a bit, and then we're winning these prizes." I do remember him being uh, strikingly height-challenged. And it is one of these odd features of American elections is that generally the tallest guy wins. Bush Sr. was taller than Dukakis. Uh, you know, that's, how it, that's just how it goes. I'm not saying it uh, with any intent of malice or anything like that. I'm just saying it happens to be a feature. So... Trump makes a joke, and Trump is uh, bipartisan on this. He's made j- jokes uh, about Rand Paul's height. He said at one point during one debate, you know, I'm, I've had it with Rand Paul, I've had it up to here, and he indicated somewhere just above his knee. He's done jo- jokes about Rand Paul. So he does it about <laughs> Bloomberg and MSNBC and co, because he's the new great white hope for this all-white party now. All the people who are, who are anything other than white are all out of this thing. So he's... Um, He's got the great white hope now, Bloomberg, and they're all mad he's made hype jokes. He said that this guy might have to... And again, it's not even a particular... The, the Prince of Wales, when he married Lady Diana Spencer, she was a tall lady, and uh, they were on a stamp. It was issued in uh, the picture for a stamp in the United Kingdom, Canada, all over the Commonwealth, and the Prince of Wales had to stand on an orange crate... <laughs> to be of an appropriate height relevant to relative to Lady Diana on that stamp. And so it's not Bloomberg, it's uh, Rand Paul, it's the Prince of Wales, all kind of things. He's very short. They've now actually got MSNBC, they've head-faked MSNBC into fact-checking Trump's short jokes. This is what the media do. And it goes back to what Rush was talking about joy yesterday. Joy. Joy. It's fun. Bloomberg is a pompous billionaire. It's fun to make jokes about pompous billionaires. It's the essence of comedy. So it's a famous Groucho Marx line. You know, he, he said, what, what, what's the difference between the public and professional comedians? Um, and he said, uh, the, the public will laugh uh, at an actress 
pretending to be a little old lady falling down the stairs. Uh, for a comedian to laugh at that, it has to be a real little old lady. And that's the point, that that's a pompous billionaire like Bloomberg... Uh, if you ca- if if you're saying well, it's not funny to make jokes about billionaire Bloomberg's height, uh, fact-checking jokes is the is the sign of a totalitarian inclination, and 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 Trump has trolled MSNBC into analyzing how short is Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> He he ca- claims to be five foot eight, and he looks like a munchkin when in that picture they're using, where he's standing between Trump and some other guy. He looks like the mayor of Munchkinville in The Wizard of Oz, and uh, and he's claiming to be five foot eight. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he's like there's somehow there's a half a foot that somehow got added to the ruler on that. Uh, but he's actually got MSNBC, their head faked into this again and again. There's no enthusiasm on the left. They had 29 joke candidates, none of whom are talking about anything that matters. None of They're talking about uh, how we have to... Elizabeth Warren wants a, uh, a, trans, a nine-year-old transgender schoolgirl to pick her secretary of education what is that to do with anybody's lives what's that going to do to put pennsylvania back in the column put michigan back in the column and again and again uh these are people who claim the greatest challenge of our time climate change we're going to have to do this we're going to have to do that because we democrats are so we are technocrats we are meritocrats we are the best of the best we can reset the planetary thermostat if you just give us the power to do so we can change the very heavens but count 170,000 votes in our oh no we can't do that we can reset the planet's climate but we can't count 100 votes in a precinct in Iowa Mark Stein for Rush. Your calls straight ahead. Mark Stein in for Rush. Let's go to Catherine in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Catherine, you're live on the Rush Limbaugh Show. Great to have you with us. Hi, Mark. Listen, just in compliment to what you were saying about the Bernie um, AOC connection, wouldn't that oh, yes. mortify the DNC at the thought of her being his vice president choice? Uh, do you think they're oh, yeah. considering that part of it? And maybe that's no, I, him even further? <laughs> uh, I think they, they hate him plenty because he's, he's not a Democrat. But I think actually they understand that the most valuable endorsement uh, this time round on the Democrat side was AOC's. And that if you want to make Bernie even more powerful, having AOC running around with him, because uh-huh. uh, he's got, he's got t- tremendous uh, youth appeal. I mean, if you look at some of those uh-huh. gyms, and uh, other other precincts last night. They, 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 that, that crowd is younger than Joe Biden's crowd, and AOC uh, helps and gives him credibility on that. And that, and that's that's my point. Wouldn't that wouldn't that further change the DNC's status quo? In other words, they they have they're you know on that side, but they don't want to go that far. You know, I don't think uh, Nancy wants AOC. Anymore in her uh, line of vision than she has to have, as it is. 
Well, I, I do think they're worried that someone like AOC is actually serious about this. If you look at right. if you look at the Bidens, for example, the Bi- Bi- Joe Biden made twenty times more money uh, in the year after he stepped down as vice president than he'd made in all the in all the years beforehand. He's a he, it's not even just Hunter Biden. Uh, Joe Biden's brother has become enormously wealthy. Mm. These guys are stinkingly corrupt. You can't in the dem on the Democrat side. The definition of being a moderate is that you're a crook. Uh, the definition of uh, a moderate is that you stiff Saudi princes and Kazakh oligarchs to give money to the Clinton Foundation for speeches they don't want to hear uh, because Hillary's supposed to be the next president and you're buying access to her. And what they fear about someone like AOC and Bernie is that actually they're not just interested in stealing all the money, they're actually serious about this stuff. That is different. That's, that's, that's well, what it is, I think, Catherine. Well, it's different and it's terrifying. And yeah. I, I don't know, I just... Uh, no, just uh, no, no. You d- would, don't have to worry about it, though. The, these candidates, Catherine, take it from me. Uh, you're not gonna. They're not gonna take back. Uh, they're not gonna take back Pennsylvania or Michigan by having transgender schoolgirls exercising. A transgender grade schooler is not gonna make all those uh, Trump voters in Pennsylvania and Michigan swim swing back to the Democrats. You can relax on that one, Catherine. Uh, thank you very much for your call. We are gonna close it out in just a few moments. Thank you to Mike and Ali for taking care of things uh, from New York today. This has been Mark Stein. I said on Tucker uh, that I, whatever I am in the United States, I, I owe everything to Rush. It never occurred to me. I had no ambitions in American broadcasting. I didn't really think people want to listen to a foreigner clogging up the airwaves. This before, you know, James Corden and John Oliver and Samantha Bee and Trevor Noah and all the other British subjects on the airwaves. I had no idea about that, and I owe everything to Rush uh, for uh, putting up with me uh, and letting me come and guest host here. But I would far rather be listening to Rush than guest hosting for Rush, and I mean that. And we send our love uh, to Rush and Catherine at this terrible, terrible time for them. Rush plans to be back on Thursday. I'll be here tomorrow, Wednesday. Thank you for listening. See you tomorrow.